Uh, well, good morning, folks. I welcome you today to Bible study here with Rick Bonfin Ministries. And I'm glad to meet you here to have our rendezvous and give some thought to the Word of God and the Bible and study that. Bring those two together and try to study a little bit. Today, we have a theme or a topic that we're going to be talking about. We've been working on the theme of prayer throughout this week, some, and different perspectives have been shared on the subject, and that's always a good way to study the Bible and take a take a topic and just put as many people talking about it as you can, and you, you learn how broad the subject is and what it means to so many different people. Sometimes there'll be some repetition involved in that. I mean, I'm going to, of course, uh, adjust my sights a little bit on the, the Lord's Prayer as is found in Matthew. And we've already visited that, of course, as you should on a subject like prayer. But prayer is wonderful. I'm going to start that way. It's, it's just wonderful. It's full of wonder and beauty. Prayer is a wonderful thing. Prayer is the ultimate thing. It's, it's the main thing of life. And, and I have to say, starting out, I have to tip my hat to one fact. And that is that prayer is a universal religious phenomenon. What I mean by that is it doesn't matter what religion you are, where you are in the world. If you look around, you're going to find somebody praying somewhere close to you because prayer is everywhere. The act of praying is universal. And it's religious and it's a phenomenon. And it's there and it's true. I mean, you can't say prayer isn't true because it's everywhere. It's it's like infant baptism. Somebody asked Mark Twain if he believed in infant baptism. And Mark Twain said, believe it, hell, I've seen it. <laughs> so the same is true as prayer. It's, a, it's universal. And also something else surprisingly that is like that is speaking in tongues. You may say, well, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Well, well, big deal, good for you. Because ecstatic utterance is all over the world whether it's Christian or not, Muslims, everybody, everywhere sometimes experience the phenomenon of ecstatic utterance. What would you what would you say that might come from where it comes from a old teaching philosopher uh, who talked about the universal religious experience? And it's a, a wonderful way to, to approach something is to give uh, thanks that it is real. <laughs> you know, some people say, oh, if you're praying, you're just talking to the ceiling. You're not doing anybody any good. Well, on the other side of the world, at the same time, there's somebody praying right along with you. And prayer is in different languages, different types, different countries, different people, everywhere, somewhere, everywhere. No matter what the dialect is, it, the, 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 the vibration 
is the same. Uh, it, they used to say that uh, across the across Africa, from one side to the other, is 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 four hundred different languages, four different different dialects. If you go across Africa, but it was said that if a slave of ship appeared on the coast of Africa, that they would start beating those drums, and within a few minutes, all across Africa, they would know that that slaver was on station. And they would know it by the sound and the vibration of it. Well, that's another another thing. But prayer is like that. It didn't just say, doesn't matter which language is, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. The sooner or later you will come to recognize that there's somebody bigger than you and you won't talk to them. And there begins the, the journey, journey of prayer. We go through the Bible, look at the Bible, you'll see Moses. And others, of course, know it too. But all of them talked with God, had that way of of talking with God because they loved God. If you love somebody, you're going to talk to them. You're going to talk to them. You can pout sometimes and not talk to them. I've done that about God. You know, get mad at God, get in a hole somewhere. And say, I don't talk to you no more. He don't care. He'll, he'll just stay right there by me and minister to me right through my bad time. And, and he just, so if you love him, you'll talk to him. Moses loved God. That, that's a fact. And talked with God over and over. Abraham, wonderful Abraham. Oh, he, he talked with God and, and learned that God had promises for him. In his conversation with God, they developed what his, what his real need was, what he wanted more than anything was a prodigy. He wanted, he wanted to, he wanted to, he wanted children and, and then, and then God heard his prayer and blessed him. And and he was like Moses in going to the Holy Land, going 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 to the Promised Land. And then, then of course, David in the Bible. You look at David; he has a grand, wonderful list of Psalms which we attributed to him, and, and we say, "Well, this is a man talking to God." This is a man who loved God. You know, when David was chosen to be king, it wasn't because he was smart and tall and beautiful. He was out in the field keeping sheep, and he had been talking to God. And and Samuel knew that, and God spoke through him and said, Oh, do you have any more sons? And he said, Yeah, I got one more out in the field. Young fella, go get him. Got him. He's the one. He's, he's, he's the one. Jesus. Jesus' prayers. He goes off morning and night. No. Weird like about prayer. Sometimes the Bible catches him up short in the midst of praying and talking and, 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 and leading others in the conversation with God. Now Matthew gives explicit instructions about how he felt, Jesus felt, about prayer. Let me get this straight now. How he felt, Jesus felt. He feels that Jesus has certain specific instructions and he gives them to us there. And we're going to talk about them a little bit, about Jesus talking about prayer. But, but what I want to do is give you some human examples of a prayerful life. Just, just two or three of them that have impacted me. And this is sort of a personal testimony, but each one of us has people that have impacted them and, and, and filled them with love and, 
and, and been a demonstration as to the way to be with God. And each of these people have one common common denominator among them, and that was the, the ability to pray prayers of discernment. Discerning prayer is when you not only go to God about something, but you get something back from God in response to your query or your your injunction or whatever it is you're after. He responds to you. Now that's 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 that has to be discerned. Has to be discerned carefully. And we're gonna look at this. The first one I want to talk about is a fellow named Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest, and he wrote a, a book called Discernment. I recommend the book. Uh, it's 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 enlightening. It's a story of a man who was a Harvard professor who felt called to go to a a, a, a place of mental disabilities, a, a group home, and he was to be the chaplain there. And the people had such limited intellectual capacity, and he didn't understand why God had called him to that place, but he did. And Henry blessed the people, and the people blessed him. And Henry said all I had to do was show up and be in the same place every day to make them happy. And often that's what pastoring really is, showing up and being there every day in the same place. And so he was. But he gathered great spiritual momentum from that and was a great writer. So Henry Nguyen is one. Another one is a Brazilian fella. You may not know him, but um, he, he's, he's important to me. In my spiritual development, there's a fellow named Bonfim, first name Ricky, Ricky Bonfim. Ricky wrote a book called Praying with Accuracy. If you're going to talk about the book, of, if you're going to talk about prayer and discernment, I recommend this book and this man. Just like I recommended Henry Newman as a man and his book is discernment, I recommend Reverend Bonfim and his, uh, his book, Praying with accuracy, because he has a way of expecting God to discern something to him when he comes up to people. The same is true with Henry. In people, they find the presence of God. They can talk to God through you, to them. If you if you take a problem to them, for example, they'll look like beyond you. And be able to name what the trouble is. That's discernment. I, I don't have it. Uh, I, I don't have it. In fact, I don't want it. <laughs> because, because there's power in that. There's power in that. What I tend to do is be an encourager and through uh, sweetness find out what the problem is and indulge in that. If, if, if I'm healed, I may suggest to you that God is going to heal you. And when I do suggest that to you, God will very often do that. Do that for me through you. But that that's me and this is them. And I wanted to take these several people and just talk about them for a minute and their prayerful style of discernment. The last one is, a, is another evangelist. Bonfim is an evangelist. Another one I want to talk about is a big fellow named who's dead now. And by the way, Henry Nowen is also dead now. Ricky's Bonfim is still a living. But uh, uh, this fellow's uh, Earl Tyson impacted me a great deal. Reverend Earl Tyson was from North Carolina and uh, came to Virginia and became a Virginia evangelist for a number of years. 
and uh, drove around the Virginia Conference preaching revivals back in a time when that was more popular than it is now. And could, we could afford a, 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 a conference evangelist. But uh, Earl also had the ability to minister to the needs of others in prayer, paying attention to whoever it was that came across their path. You understand? When someone comes across your path, I just normally get on the other side of the road and keep walking. But they have a way of seeing people as they pass and their needs. You know what I mean by that. Uh, Henry Nowen saw those needs in those pitifully intellectual, needy people. He, he took them especially aside. And through their difficulties, guided them through. I seen Ricky do that. Ricky Bonfim was on a bus with him one time in in in, in Rio de Janeiro, and there was a woman in the back weeping. I, nobody knew what to do. Uh, pretty much, we 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 just sat there and looked. Ricky went straight to her, went digging through a pocketbook, something I would never have done in a million years. Pulled out a pack of cigarettes, and that was her problem. She had been t- trying to stop smoking cigarettes. And he crushed that pack of cigarettes up. I'll never forget it. And prayed that she'd be delivered from it. And we got off the bus. I don't know whether she did or not. But I expect that she did get over that from that experience. See, Nero do that. He had a tendency to drive up to your house at all hours looking for a place to sleep, of all, of all things. He would... He would uh, minister to preachers more than he did to the congregation because the preachers crossed his path. The people did too, but not quite as closely as the preachers did. So I remember Tyson for his ability to be with others. I remember Bunfim for that, and that's why I remember Henry Nowen. Well, all I'm telling you is that's what prayer kind of begins to mean to me from the broad sense of what prayer is as a universal phenomenon, uh, the forest to the individual trees. We, we, we sort of looked at together. We looked at Henry now. We chopped that tree down. We, we, we looked at Reverend Bonfim. We chopped that tree down. And Reverend Tyson, we chopped that tree down. So we've cleared the way here now for for us to look at what prayer might mean from a biblical sense. And I just want to touch a base here with the Lord's Prayer as is found in Matthew. Jesus, according to Matthew, told you how to pray and how not to pray. He talked about praying. He said that uh, the thing about prayer was to be sure that you knew the elements that were involved in that. He said not to pray hypocritically. And and that's a big thing, you know, where, where he talks about boasting prayers there in Matthew 5 through 8. He rejects prayers that publicly boast or babbling kind of prayers. He rejected those. He didn't he didn't think that you ought to do that sort of thing in public. Go, go in your closet, he, he tells us. 
because the heart is in private and you should be in private. So he, Jesus, this is the way Jesus talked with God was on a kind of a, kind of a prophet, private sort of way. He didn't get up and make this long speech, uh, or, or have all this different angles on his voice and so forth. He, he just quietly talked to God. And he, the, the elements are faith. You, you leave your heart to God. He says, our father who art in heaven, our, our father, may your name be honored. That is worshiped. So faith and worship and he expects something to happen. Your, may your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. And he means that to be that he has that expectation that's going to happen. You know, he, he believes that God's kingdom is now and will come. He says, may your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. That's an important verse from the Lord's Prayer. Submission. Submitting to God's will is a powerful thing to be able to say. May your will be done. If you can say that to God, you've been, you're in good shape because you let God have your control and let your will, His will, be done. And finally comes a simple petition for sustenance and bread. Give us our food for today. And a confession. He makes this his confession. And forgive us our sins. Man. Forgiveness and, 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 and just confession. Compassion. Just as we've forgotten those who have sinned against us. We have compassion on them. And, and he says don't be dependent and don't let yield, don't let yourself Yield to temptation, but be dependent upon God and acknowledge him. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, therein ends the reading of the Lord's Prayer. I want to teach you a little something about um, about praying in public. <laughs> Some people are scared to death when it comes to praying in in public but a simple formula will always be a help and you can remember this too and you probably maybe already know it but it's called the acts prayer a c t s and it's an acrostic that is to say a c t s a adoration c confession t thanksgiving s service so those four things can compose a great public prayer right straight off the cuff if you're called on to do it. Just say, Lord, we adore you above all things. We confess we are sinners. We are thankful for the good things you give us. Help us to serve you today in a better way. Amen. That's a public prayer. It's another topic, but healthy to have a sense of the fact that if somebody wants you to pray, you can pray. That's a good way to remember just exactly how to pray. Well, I talked about the Bible a little bit. Talked about the broadness of prayer. I talked about three people that have impacted my life with regard to prayer. 
And they have empowered me to trust God more fully. And I hope that these teachings on, on prayer will enable you, or no one has me, to trust God more fully this day in all that you do. And furthermore, thank you for listening to me today. And remember that prayer is wonderful. It's wonderful. Don't shy away from it. Everybody else does it. You might as well too. Talk to Jesus because you love him. Just because you love him. Just speak to him. Tell him you love him. That's all. I bid you farewell today. May the Lord bless you. Keep you safe. Amen. Good man. You are welcome.